Any questions tonight? Yes. In the morning, we have two just over with Yamanuja. Yamanuja asked this question about free thinking. Free thinking, yeah. Yeah. What is the difference between free thinking and speculation? Well, I think that um, my answer will be similar, if not the same, really, um, in that uh, the word speculation is a word that Prabhupada used, and um, and by it he he meant largely that rather than um, attempt to know the uh, ultimate reality by the strength of one's mind and intellect, hmm, which he felt was futile unto itself, that is, the mind and intellect unto itself, we would be uh, greatly aided uh, in our ability to understand the absolute or such understanding would maybe would be made possible only by the power of revelation. The idea being that if the absolute wants itself to be known, it can be known, something like that. It's an emphasis on the idea that, that reality is alive and has a life, so to speak. Um, the mind intellect are thought to be material, subtle matter, and so they don't under themselves have purchasing power for that which is categorically different, uh, the spiritual. Hmm? Um, an example that Pujapad Sridharmarsh gave once may help us when he said that the the eye can only what did he say see if the the mind minds the eye that would be hard to translate maybe uh, <laughs> pays attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, the eye is an instrument for seeing, and it may be in touch with an object of sight, a particular form, but unless the mind pays attention, lends itself to the eye, then the eye's capacity to see will be limited. We may be all in the same room, we all may see the same things, but when we go away, we may expressed to others that we saw things that others did not see or we heard things that others did not hear because our ears were hit, the vibrations were hitting the the eardrums but our mind was drumming a different tune something like that and so um, similarly in this uh, analogy then the Godhead is is the mind, hmm? and we are the the senses. So, so we are dependent, hmm? derived entities, dependent entities. Hmm? We are um, 
and this is a beautiful thought to me. It's, it's a very beautiful thought, but it, it, it could sound oppressive to some, perhaps, uh, that we are living in and are members of God's dream. So it really casts some relativity on our independence and, and freedom when we think of it like that. But then, at the same time, what can God dream? Um, the idea is, compared to us, um, it's quite an extraordinary um, uh, affair to be a participant in, hmm? an active and knowing participant in. So, if the Godhead wants us to know about him, we can know. Pujapachina Marsh used to give the example, you know, a mathematical example. How can the finite know the infinite? And, um, of course, he said, by the power of the infinite. The finite cannot understand, and that by that we mean arrest and control and capture the infinite. But if the infinite, out of its infinite power, chooses to do the impossible, to allow the finite to know the infinite, then it's possible for the finite to know the infinite. Hmm? You follow me? Out of the infinite power and abilities of the infinite. So, so this is kind of the principle of, of, of revelation. And it's this very interesting, and I think a, a, a strong point in arguing for how to arrive at, at comprehensive or perfect knowing, knowing by which, I should say, we could become perfectly happy. And the implication is that the the mental and intellectual faculties are not sufficient unto themselves hmm, to uh, to be, to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, enable us to arrive at that. Um, that uh, is kind of a core way of talking about the principle of, of revelation. So um, what Prabhupada would then consider speculation when he used the word would be to attempt to think oneself into comprehensive knowing, which again means to be perfectly happy. We would think, he would think, that in order to, be, to, to have perfect knowledge... And what I, mean, what I mean by perfect knowledge is to be perfectly happy because all action, as I often say, is informed by some type of knowledge. So if we are informed perfectly by perfect knowledge, then we will act accordingly and the result will be perfect happiness. So in order to arrive at perfect happiness, we need a perfect method. It's reasonable. Hmm? And so this is the perfect method, so to speak with folded hands. Um, I've quoted Grover Cleveland a number of times, an American something, I don't know what he was, to be honest with you. Uh, he was, oh, he was a president, <laughs> President Cleveland. Right. Uh, so you don't have to know American history to, uh, <laughs> to know everything, <laughs> to have perfect knowing. Um, but he made a statement that I like very much, that if you love someone, they will tell you all their secrets. 
So I believe the same principle is operative here, that there's a, there's a, there are intuitive ways of knowing that that transcend mental intellectual exercise and the limits of those exercises for knowing. There's another statement in the in the sutras of Vyas, Tarko Pratishtanad, that by the exercise of our reasoning faculty alone unto itself, we will never get any firm, the implication is standing, any permanence, any the position that we may arrive at hmm, is always one that can be unseated or displaced by another shape of thought. Hmm? Um, so reasoning unto itself affords no, no, no permanence, no standing, that it cannot be, again, uprooted. And, and if we say, well, same holds true for your reasoning, Swami, then we agree. Hmm? We agree with the point, yes. Hmm? Therefore, it, the, the, the knowing that we want to arrive at, that will inform our action and make us perfectly fulfilled, that, that kind of knowing, and what we're talking about here is a kind of knowing that by which arriving at one feels nothing else needs to be known. It, it, it's not like I know everything. I certainly don't. I mean, or, or comprehensive knowing is to know every little thing, but a knowing, a kind of a, a noetic bliss, hmm? it's blissful also. Hmm? You know, people wonder what spiritual life is, and it, it's a big topic in one sense, but in another sense, from our perspective, it's a very simple topic. Hmm? We can be, as many people are, very imaginary about Synchronicity and 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 uh, um, uh, what we might think is is spiritual. You know the famous story of Prabhupada's disciple early on telling Prabhupada that whenever I chant, a blue light comes and surrounds me. Krishna is blue, they say, and so Prabhupada said, "Keep chanting; it'll go away." Hmm. So. Um, you know, we can imagine many things and so forth, but in a very basic sense, my experience is that spirituality is, in the beginning, the actual experience that that you are eternal. Hmm? I don't know. Some of you may have felt it. <laughs> the experience that you are eternal. It, it's it's beyond uh, words. I mean, you can use a word, eternal. The word really doesn't fit between the ears of a head that's accustomed to everything having a beginning and an end. Hmm? No beginning and no end. The experience, I have no beginning, I have no end. And that experience is, is blissful in that it is a great, um, it affords one a great sense of relief sense that that a, that a great struggle has has ended hmm? a struggle that knows no no beginning hmm? and seemed endless itself hmm? a struggle in which I would repeatedly move the burden of life from you know the, the, the example of carrying it on one shoulder to well, carrying it on another shoulder to putting it on my head hmm? back to the other shoulder again 
and so forth. No relief and no relief in sight. So the, the experience that I'm eternal carries with it hmm, the, 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 the freedom hmm, and a, a relief that we refer to as blissful. It's kind of an, an, a negative bliss. It's kind of like the example, mathematical example I've given of coming from negative numbers to zero. That zero has some positive content. Atmananda. I mean, you could arrive at Atmananda by Sattvagun and by something less than Bhakti, but Brahmananda or um, any form of mukti, hmm, um, not so. So, hmm, um, so what is the what is spiritual? It's it's a very it's it's a, it's a question that's that 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 is that leaves no questions, or it's an experience I should say that leaves no questions. In other words, if I think. Guru Maharaj, I was experiencing this, uh, what do you think? You, you might ask that out of respect and so forth, but really it, it, the questions are answered. Hmm? It's, a, it's, an, it's a noetic, noetic kind of a, um, bliss that, that seems like knowing this, nothing remains to be known. Hmm? I've entered into, into knowing itself, hmm? knowledge itself. Um, so, this is uh, uh, this kind of knowing, knowing this, all the secrets of life. By you know, as, as Mr. Cleveland said, President Cleveland said, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. So approaching reality hmm, in a spirit of loving, rather than in a spirit of knowing in a, in a conquering sense, which is more or less the mental, intellectual, and materialistic approach, hmm? to know by the strength of mental and intellectual exercise, um, that approach is is different, very different than the approach of bhakti, hmm? which accepts at the onset this principle that if God wants us to know, we will know. Hmm? Uh, you might say, well, doesn't he want me to know? If he doesn't want me to know, I guess I won't know. <laughs> um, but we heard today that, 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 that the Godhead is, is, is consciousness and the consciousness of consciousness is, is loving. So the, the, the approach, hmm, uh, if it is loving, love is reciprocal. So there will be um, reciprocation. It's of course that you have to be wise about it. So here we then come with the 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 application of of intellect and reasoning within the context of a, a loving approach that acknowledges the necessity of revelation or descending uh, knowledge. So. It's not that the, the, 
the approach that we're recommending, the loving approach, is, is without any use of the mind and the intellect. Um, so sometimes, for example, Prabhupada would differentiate from what he called mental speculation to, from philosophical speculation. Hmm? Um, or we could say mental conjecture, which he would refer to an exercise of the mind-intellect unto itself. And then you have a philosophical conjecture, or what I would term a theological conjecture, which is a conjecture and a use of the mind-intellect in relation to the argument of, the re- of revelation, which I liken to a conversation between the Godhead and the world. I liken the human beings, the human experience itself, to a question. We are a question. Why am I? What am I? What is the purpose? A question about meaning. Hmm? Consciousness is, 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 is qualitative. Hmm? It's not really a quantitative subject, a qualitative subject of feeling and experience hmm? rather than of length and mass and velocity. Hmm? Um, and so feeling, value, meaning, purpose... This is what we're about, because in human life, we think that that consciousness that is all-pervasive is shaped in human life through the vehicle of the human form uh, in such a way that its questioning about itself is facilitated. In other words, we would be pan-psychics, that we think that consciousness is is spread everywhere. Hmm? And it doesn't lose its complexity hmm? um, when it appears in, in lower forms of life, but its complexity is not facilitated by the lower form of life. Hmm? And so the, the, shit, the matter shapes it, just like I might, you and I might be equal, and you might drive in a, in a, in a Volkswagen van uh, of... Um, Barnums, and someone else might drive in a, in a BMW or something like that. So oh, one can go faster and blow the horn and say later, and, and the other can't. Both are equally can step on the gas, equally can step on the brake and so forth, but the vehicle shapes one's ability to, uh, to proceed at a certain pace. Hmm? So with the principle of karma, then... The idea is that consciousness is, is spread out and, and positioned differently and the shape, material shape that it appears in limits its expression, but its complexity remains the same. Its complexity is, is enormous in comparison to even any of the complexity of matter. That's an important and interesting uh, point, of course. Uh, biological evolution is thought to kind of, how you say... Uh, hinge or uh, on the on the premise that that organisms with uh, or, or, or matter well organisms with certain properties hmm, um, 
evolve in such a way that those properties, um, well, the properties evolve. Hmm? But they don't evolve in such a way that a new property altogether appears. If we say that reptiles develop wings, well, wings are awfully different than legs, but they're not in another sense, right? Flying and walking and swimming are all motor activities. So there's not really a categorical difference between wings and feet, but between non-experiential reality and experiential reality, there's, there's like a huge difference. Do you follow me? Hmm? There's, there's, it's an entirely different thing. Hmm? The qualitative feelings are, uh, you know, you, 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 we, we don't expect a, a combination of matter, a crude combination of matter, no matter how we arrange it, to suddenly, I mean, it's magical thinking. It's funny because sometimes materialists accuse the spiritualists of having magical thinking. Hmm. But to me, it's very magical to think that by, by some arrangement of non-experiential stuff, hmm, matter, that if we could take the microphone and, and somehow, somehow just arrange it, that it would turn, it's the same ingredients that make up this microphone as that, that make up my brain, basically, the same stuff. So the, the implication is that by arranging this microphone or the floor in a certain way, it will suddenly start to, to talk to us hmm? and say, don't step on me or, you know, uh, speak a little more softly. Uh, you know, we laugh at it, it's kind of silly, um, but that's how magical materialism is in its, in its thinking. Hmm? So we do have this stuff called consciousness. It doesn't really fit into evolution, biological evolution as it's thought of, in as much as it really is a different property altogether. Hmm? To say that, that, it, that, that, it, that it comes out, and that's why they can't find it hmm? in the brain. It's not in the brain. It's not dependent upon the brain. Hmm? And then as time goes on, that will become hopefully more, more apparent. Hmm? That, that, that consciousness is not dependent upon a human, human brain or any <coughs> material organ, although the material shape can shape the ability of consciousness to express itself. And in human life, then, it's, it's able to express itself, the complexity of the material form affords it the ability to express itself in relation to the material world in such a way that, that the organism, it appears, starts to question itself. Hmm? You know, there's, there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence now and there are robots working in some factories and, and so on and so forth. Um, you could meet one at the parking lot, you know, taking your ticket and so on. Um, and then there's some caution that's put out there that artificial intelligence could be the end of human society. They could take over. And these aren't just science fiction movies, but thoughtful people in the, in the, in the, in the world, in the field of artificial intelligence, have these, these kinds of fears. Hmm? 
Um, but the, the idea is, in the field of artificial intelligence, is that we are a machine, really. Hmm? And nothing more, there's no really meaning or purpose to life um, other than what we make up as a purpose. Hmm? Um, but I would think that if, it, that, if it, that a if a machine could be perfectly, if a robot, let's say, could be perfectly, that the perfection, I would say, of artificial intelligence effort to demonstrate that we are nothing but machines, to make a machine that feels, what would happen? Then that machine would, would have to sit down, lie down on the couch and say, I don't know, I have this oceanic feeling... You should write a comic like that. Maybe you have. I have this oceanic feeling, Doctor, that there's meaning and purpose to life. That would be the perfection of the of the human, whatever, automaton. And then we back to square one. The machines would start thinking, if they were perfect, if they had perfectly replicated the human machine as it's thought of, the machine would start thinking, what is the meaning? What is the purpose? It would have religions, <laughs> and so on. So I think it's very difficult to get away from, from this, and there's no need to. Hmm? There's no need to. Hmm? Human life is a question because consciousness is coming to the fore, given the shaping that the human body affords it, and being in the foreground, consciousness is seeking meaning and purpose. Hmm? rather than just uh, whatever, hunting and gathering uh, and um, serving the machine itself, uh, you know, a, a bigger sense of identity. So as human life is a question, then the question, if we think of it like that, and I think it, it is, it is an existential crisis. I don't think that the less complex forms of life have existential crises. Why am I... What is the? What am I doing? Should I be a devotee? Am I a devotee? Maybe I shouldn't be a devotee. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> these things are uh, human uh, problems, um, and and so if we are in the sense a question, then the question is: Is there an answer? Hmm? And the and the answer would have to come from beyond human beyond humanity so if we are a question it's reasonable to consider that there's there's an answer and that's what the idea of revelation is and 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 while it answers Pujapad Sridharmarsh used to refer to the the Pranava Omkar the principal bokya or sound of the of the Veda that prefaces all the the Vedic mantram refer to it as an affirmation a big yes what you're wondering, like, can I be perfectly happy? Can, can I find my place? Hmm? We all feel like, can I find my place? It, it implies that I'm a part. Hmm? I need to find my place and fit in. Hmm? Um, it's very... Uh, you, it's... If you really want to pursue that, through that, spiritual life is very, uh, very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, a good example I was gave the other day was the was the Kumaras. 
four Kumaras in the in the Bhagwat history there, they're depicted as four naked boys. So naked kids can show up anywhere and it's not a problem. They can fit in. Hmm? They don't have to worry about how I look or what people will think or anything. Everybody will like them. No problem. So you can become Kumars. <laughs> naked children. This is the this idea of spiritual life because they were naked children but, but, but they were they appeared as such. The implication is, is, is what is the nature of spiritual life. It is said even in sadhana bhakti when one attains the stage of ruchi they pretty much become liked by everybody. Hmm? And either, either they're really liked by somebody or they're really not liked which is another form of liking. Hmm, really. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So it happens. So, uh, so, so, uh, so, so the question: hmm, How to fit in? Why am I? Uh, what is my purpose? Uh, and so on and so forth. The, there's an answer to this, and and the implicate the idea is, as I've said many times, the answer to this question doesn't come from material nature because it's a question that consciousness is asking, a qualitative question. So it has to come from a consciousness source. Hmm? Uh, we might reason that we are that consciousness source, but there's good reason to think that we may not be. Otherwise, why, why we're in question at, 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 at the present. Hmm? And so this is the idea of revelation. So the answer comes, yes, what, what you feel... You, you feel in human life that you are you, there, there's more to life than what meets the eye and the mind. We feel like that, and the Veda says, "Yes, it's true," and you are the more. And in much, such a complementary way, as I said this morning, it speaks to us like the early chapters of the Gita. You are amazing. What does it say? What is that verse? His, and the self is. Anyway, amazing, astounding, and um, hmm? as charge of a yeah, I can't remember. What is it? Anyway, yeah, amazing, awesome. <laughs> the self is awesome. So it's like the, the implication there is just like it's beyond. You're beyond words. You're incredible. Hmm? And then it starts to speak about it in kind of, you're not like this, which is a limitation. You're not like that, which is a limitation. Not like this, not like that. You're ascharjavat paschati kaschidenam. Yeah, that's a nice verse. Ascharjavat patatitatai vachanya. Ascharjavat chainam anyashrinoti. Anyashrinoti. Shutvapenam veda nachayva kaschit. Some see the self as a wonder. Others proclaim it to be a wonder, while others hear it as a wonder. Yet even after hearing about it, no one can fathom it. Hmm? Such as ourself. That's a very complimentary uh, statement, very encouraging. Hmm? Of course, in making this statement, it's in the context of distinguishing us from a self that's very limited and narrow in its uh, perspective 
and in its in its ability to to interact um, with with others communally, and we are you know in a global um, community, if you will. Um, and I say sometimes that we need to get used to one another because no one's going anywhere. Hmm. We are all connected forever. Huh. <laughs> That's <is> true. <laughs> so the revelation is 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 an answer. Yes, what you want is true. And then there are many statements after that as to how to realize the more that you are that you are and that you can be. So the jiva, the atma, is something that exists and has a potential to be. It cannot be fully defined without defining its, without discussing its potential. Its potential being, its potential to be in relation to nourishment. Hmm? So just like we know ourselves, it's very nice. We ourselves as human beings have a nature and and something about us is is nurture also. Like there's an argument, for example, in the in, in the world whether hom- the homosexual orientation to life is one that is is natural, or is it a product of huh? well, what would it be would nurture? They're similar, nature and nurture. <laughs> whether it is something that is environmental influence that made someone like that or whether it is something they're that, that they're born with something like that this is the argument hmm? as an aside even those that argue that it is a product of nurture and there they want to re-nurture and so forth will have to admit that the nurturing is so if they want to look at it like that so early on as to be un traceable practically and so formative hmm, in in the in the early years that for all intents and purposes it is natural hmm, and irrevocable and so forth but at any rate we have arguments like this and the point being that we ourselves are to some extent um, I mean homosexual our sexual orientation aside such that we have a nature and some of, something about us is nurture. If we put ourselves in a different environment, well, and it's different association, we'll be a different person. I'm not saying you'll change your sexual orientation. That's just a, something on the side there. Um, so um, we experience this very idea about the self in our experience of the human self, hmm? This idea that it's put forward by Gaudiya Vaishnavism, that the living being is of a nature that lends itself to nurture. Hmm? We're not saying anything about ourselves that we don't experience. Hmm? If you want to look at the Advaita Vedanta sense of self, it's very abstract and very, very different from what we what our experience is. Radically different. The idea there is there is no individual. Hmm? And he has no uh, uh, volition and power, causal power, to influence and bring things about. Uh, we experience that we do. Our practical, common, everyday experience is that we cause events. 
to some extent, hmm? that we apprehend hmm? and grasp uh, things and that we experience. So these are aspects of the self that come out and are expressed relative to the environment that we're influenced by, nurtured by. Hmm? If we can be nurtured by the influence of bhakti, then we get a, a spiritual personality hmm? that we call a sarup. We get a... We get a we, 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 we have spiritual desire, hmm? spiritual qualitative experiences. We... we um, have an active role in the lila and so on and so forth. So, uh, otherwise, if we get nourished by the material environment, then these things come out in a material sense, material personality. Hmm? Um, so, <coughs> bhakti is saying, you are pretty much what you experience yourself to be. It's very much based on experience rather than a kind of a, a artificial imposition. Hmm? Um, at the same time, we might have a sense that spiritual life should be really radically different than material life. I'm saying it's it's quite similar, and but but we might argue that it should be radically different. But it's similar, but it is radically different. Also, at the same time, it's the difference between um, well, it's an English example. I don't know how well it will play out in Polish. The difference between a bowl of cherries and just the pits. Hmm? Cherries have pits. Stones. I mean, they're both cherries, but if you have the stone, only it'll take a while before you can eat one. Um, so, spiritual life is radically different at the same time. Hmm? But the similarity is is at the same time considerable, and therefore the application of oneself in bhakti is very natural. We don't do anything in bhakti that we don't do otherwise, materially speaking. Materially speaking, we sing, we eat, we dance, we commune with one another and so forth. Bhakti just speaks about ways of doing this in relation to Krishna. So, so the revelation is an answer and then an ongoing conversation with the human uh, species hmm? in relation to meaning and purpose and value, which are which we we question about, which is we feeling ourselves, so to speak, that we are the anatma soul, a unit of consciousness. It's, it's very different. It, it, it's it's very curious um, uh, uh, experience and, and difficult to put into words what that is and so forth. So we need help. To we need a rudder or a captain on a ship to sail in the in the subjective world and uh, and, and and reach the shore of 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 Golok, if you will, where the full as we were speaking this morning potential for loving, if loving is an ingredient of ourself, if ananda is an ingredient of the self, sat-jit-ananda, huh? then for it to be fully expressed, it really needs a significant 
other, a significant, that's an English term, uh, it needs a partner, it needs someone, he, he needs somebody to love, that was an old song <laughs> from the 60s, got to find somebody to love, so that, uh, uh, the Vedic argument is that that's Krishna, and we try to say it in so many different ways, uh, describe him in so many different ways. Um, so, so, uh, and when I say that the revelation is, is likened to a conversation, it means that, that there's ongoing light. As I said earlier, I think today the world is always changing. Hmm? So people are different now than they were hundreds of years ago. So there are different material issues and whatnot, different, there are ethical and moral principles but the ethical and moral laws will change according to the circumstance. Hmm? Um, so given the fact that there are different, although it's human time, still there are within that different times and different circumstances, then the conversation with re- the revelation is one, one part of, one voice of, is, is ongoing. And we will use our intelligence then to understand the scriptural argument in terms of the time and places Time and place and circumstance and individuals, um, and and apply it in a meaningful way, such that the ultimate result will be attained. So there's a big, big place for using your mind and thinking. I mean, I would I I'm, I think that I appear as a pretty free-thinking person. I mean, you see the way I talk about Gaudiya Vaishnavism; it can shock people. Sometimes the way in which I kind of, for me, it's like you can stretch it like this or or like this, and and apply it in in very unique ways in different circumstances. It's it's, it's a very living, ongoing thing. I mean, I said the other day to uh, to, to to think that feeding hungry people, just taking food and feeding hungry people by thinking that Krishna is the fire of digestion. Is this, is the same, if not m- more, spiritually progressive than offering food on the altar to to, to Radha and Krishna? Is is it's very radical thinking for some people within Gaudiya Vaishnavism. What? What are you talking about? Uh, it, but it, <laughs> so it, it's just a, a, a or or to say that serving God hmm, at the cost of serving humanity is to not understand God and to serve humanity at the cost of serving God is to not understand humanity. I mean, these are like, that's true, but it, it, it's a, not a book kind of understanding. It's, a, it, and it's, it's where the book wants us to go hmm, beyond itself, uh, so to speak, into a living experience of Krishna consciousness. A person asked me, he said, isn't Swamiji, isn't uh, an Indian man, isn't like spiritual life for private that's for private, because hmm? you know you people like chant in the public and stuff like that, and you and you here we are in a public gathering. You want us to chant? I don't. You just sit. And I think you know that is not spiritual life. Is for the private, private life. Hmm? I said, yeah, it's it's true. It's for the private life, but it's for it's for making it's for it's for it's it's about there being no difference between the public and private life. That's what spiritual life is about. Hmm? No difference between the private, the, the idea of private and public life, that's material. Hmm? That I'm one way 
in the public and another way private. There is no privacy. <laughs> Everything public, the public domain, the I, Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Padam Sada Pashanti Yatsurai. Hmm? we say, his pada, his feet have eyes on the bottom. It's Om Tad Vishnu Vedic His feet are above all, and they're looking down and they see everything. <laughs> There's nothing that they that they miss. Hmm? So we keep a deity in a little closet, you know, pull him out every now and then. And then we do something else, and then, oh, now I'll change my clothes. There's God. But this is a beginning idea only, right? The universality of the deity has to be realized. Now, when we speak about realizing the universality of the deity, we speak of it in the context of a metaphysic, a chinta beta beta, which doesn't turn God into a nebulous everything with no specifics or it doesn't do away with the personhood and personality of the Godhead and so on and so forth. Um, after all, again, this is a beda bed. So we often tend in the beginning to speak about the, the, the bed, the difference. There's a difference between you and God. There's a, you're not God. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. Hmm? But as you progress also, then there's, there's a non-difference, there's a non-difference, there's a non-difference. This is, this is, our school is one of non-dualism, according to the Bhagavatam. It's a very dynamic non-dualism. But, um, <coughs> so, at any rate, there's a, you can see there is a lot of room for thinking. But thinking in bhakti should be driven by taste. Hmm? So this is the difference between speculation and, and what did you say, free thinking hmm? in bhakti. So Rupa Goswami teaches in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that one who has ruchi, hmm? a taste, for one in, in whom the as I like to say, the, the medicine of practice has become food. We react in one way to taking medicine and another way to taking food. We might say to someone, remind me to take my medicine. But we never ask anybody, remind me to take lunch. Remind me to eat supper. Hmm? Remind me to eat breakfast. If we could get like that, that would be good in another way. Uh, the Goswamis are said to have forgotten to eat. Hmm? They forgot to sleep. Hmm? They were living for Krishna. Hmm? Um, but my point here is that when the practice, when, when, when to sit down and chant is your Sunday feast, hmm? so to speak, and it happens every day, and, and you're really getting taste from that, then that kind of taste will drive the thinking such that one can think about the scriptural argument or enter the conversation of revelation in such a way that that new insight will come or uh, an unfolding of the lotus of this revelation uh, it will, will, will occur but in doing so you'll always land on your 
you know, the philosophical ground of a Chintibeda Beda. You won't go off off the ground. Hmm? So your thinking is tied to the revelation, but there's a lot of room for it there. So it, this is not anti-intellectual hmm? or anti-thinking, but it's thinking and intellectualizing about something hmm? and its implications, and that driven by taste, which is arrived at taste by service, hmm? by service and sacrifice. Love is born from a womb of, of sacrifice. So there is a point where the sacrificing is, is more prominent and, 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 the, and the food, really, is looked at more like medicine. Oh, I've got to take that. I've got to chant. Hmm. Okay. And I apply it like, like medicine and I have to fast from other things. As you advance, you won't have to fast from other things. You can even listen to ordinary music, which you like. But you'll think of it all in terms of Krishna consciousness. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing secular love songs in the middle of the Rathiatra. And people thinking, what's going on? This guy's in Maya. <laughs> He's listening to the Beatles or something, you know, and it's Rathiatra, or that's an old one, but I'm older, so forgive me. But, uh, but Mahaprabhu was singing a secular song, and, and what he was actually thinking about while experiencing that, Rupa Goswami wrote some verses to explain. And when Mahabhu saw that, he, he, you understand my mind. Hmm? Pujapad Sridharmarsh once told me that the, in the Dham, in Navadweep, sometimes people play secular music. He said, you should understand that the secular music that you hear in the Dham is better than the Kirtan outside of the Dham. <laughs> it was a hard one to digest. <coughs> Golok is completely well. It's religious, but it's 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 just on Sunday, kind of thing. It's very worldly. Otherwise, it's very much about family and friends and loving your animals and attachment to your home and hearth and so forth. And it's it's very uh, similar, if you will, right, to our lives. Only difference is all centered on Krishna. Nandamaraj is offering the Arctic to Shalagram Narayan, Nasringadev, just like we offer Arctic, and his mind is somewhere else. Hmm? Of course, his mind is on Krishna. Hmm? That's, our mind is on... We just have to <laughs> adjust a little bit. Hmm? So... So there's a lot of room for... Um, for in, indeed... Bhakti in the Gita, Krishna tells us that, uh, that that implores us to use the entirety of our intellect. Hmm? He says that studying this sacred conversation between myself and Arjun hmm? from every angle, hmm? analyzing every word, every verbal root, every syllable, and so forth, all the possible implications and meanings. That this is to worship me, to love me with your intellect. Hmm. So there's a way to use the intellect in the context of loving, and that is not to use it unto itself, hmm, 
unhinged from, 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 from revelation. That would be what Prabhupada calls mental speculation. But in order to use it then, hmm, properly, one has to apply myself. I had a disciple who passed away this was many, many, many years ago, and he was a thoughtful person, and he saw the way I would take the scriptures and like, you know, stretch them and make things come out of them that, um, that in, 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 in that in relation to contemporary thought and so forth, and he found that very um, intriguing and fascinating. And so then he's, he wanted to do that himself, but <laughs> he didn't have a taste, so like he'd come up with these ideas that were like off of the philosophical canvas and so forth. I had to shut him down, so to speak. And it, it, so, so it, it, again, it should be taste-driven. Now we all have some taste, so then we can reason about the meaning of the, the scripture and, the, and, the, and, and enter the conversation of revelation. But the, the more that the taste is driving our bhakti... Hmm, the more we can really be an active participant in the conversation. Hmm? Prior to that, we'd, be be- we'd do better to listen. Hmm? Hmm? Just like if you go to school, first you want to just, just listen. And then after a while, if you're studying physics, you get to know a little something, and you might, you know, oh, I, had a, I want to say something. You know, it said this over here, and, over, and I was thinking, and... Is my, how's it, you know, is that right? And something like that, with a little caution. Yes, okay. Now you're starting to think hmm, in, in terms of the body of, of knowledge, in this example of physics. That, so we have a body of knowledge about the subjective world. Hmm, and it thinks about the objective world from a different vantage point and with a different purpose in mind than materialists think about the objective world, the natural world. So it talks about it in a certain way that will seem odd from a materialistic vantage point, but it's a different vantage point. Hmm? So as we learn that body of knowledge, we understand it, we live with persons who are living and and, and breathing it and so forth, then we, we verily start to become members of that subjective world in a meaningful, in a knowing in a, in in a wake in 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 a wake sense, and we can participate there. And ultimately, this is what it ends up in. Hmm? If revelation is a conversation between the the self, the atma coming to the fore in human life, and the Godhead, then it 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 it, it ends up hmm, in talking with God. Hmm? And even telling him, come over here, don't do that. Hmm? Um, so a lot of freedom there. Hmm? So in the context of, did you use the word slavery or used it this morning? Yeah, same idea. Sometimes Pujapada Marsh would invoke the term divine slavery. I mean, everyone's looking for freedom and we're teaching about slavery. So, you know, don't expect it to be too popular or, or you have to explain yourself uh, considerably. Hmm? Um, but again, take the example of the moon. Shine in relation to the sun, and you will be warm and 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 and, uh, and, 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 and luminous. Otherwise, cold and dark. Hmm? 
Um, it's not so hard to, di- to digest. Hmm? Who wants to be alone? A clenched fist in the air. and It's a folly. <laughs> We're dependent entities. Hmm? But now in the modern society, advertisers like that. I saw an advertisement at a shoe store the other day, which was just like footprints just into the, into the sand, going, going, walk your own life and buy these shoes. Be controlled by this corporation. Walk your own life. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a folly, uh, really. Um, we are advocating truly independence. It's one thing to advocate free thought and another thing to advocate freedom from the limitations of thought. And, and that takes a little bit of thinking to digest. And it's a, it's, it's a big thought. Hmm? The thought itself is a, is, is a problem. Things and thoughts and thoughts about things. Hmm? How this is oppressive. How oppressive this is. Hmm? How limiting this is for, for, for me to, to, to live with, within. It's, 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 uh, uh, and then the possibility, what, what the possibilities are in in a life that transcends thought and things and, and which constitutes being what you are. Hmm? Oh, it's just incredible gulf of difference in, in terms of the pursuit of freedom and liberty Liberty, what do they say in America? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what we're about. It's the, it's the uh, I don't want to say the American dream, that wouldn't be popular here, but uh, anyway, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is what uh, life is being. Liberty is the freedom that comes from knowledge and the pursuit of happiness that is love. So... America is founded on the principles of Satchitananda. <laughs> but it somehow missed the point. <laughs> there. Gotten a little off track. Uh, so, we need the revolution, right? A spiritual revolution. Hmm. But it's just an example of, of, of the self looking for itself and its possibilities and so on. And, and, and the revelation is such a big help hmm? to think that 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 you know we are important as individuals um, and and at the same time to acknowledge that we're not the whole that doesn't seem very unreasonable to me hmm? now at the same time i'm an individual and I'm an individual of, you know, cognizance, thinking of will, and so on and so forth. So, if I acknowledge that, even materially speaking, hmm, and at the same time I acknowledge I'm not the whole, I don't think that would be too hard to make a case for that. Hmm. Then we have to make the case for, by the way, the whole is also cognitive and it has will that's reasonable we are the what we are the part of is cognitive it has will and it's we were only a, like a spark of that fire so 
It's not an object then. Hmm? What I'm trying to be part of, I'm not the subject. Hmm? There's a, in Shida Marsh's language, there's, there's a super subject. Hmm? So there's a super will, hmm? super cognition, hmm? and super, super happiness. Hmm? Um, so then, if we think that, let me find my place in relation to the whole, we tend to think of the whole as an inanimate thing. Hmm? And we are the whole of the, anim- the animate part, something like that. But the whole is inanimate. No, it's not inanimate. Hmm? Because it's not inanimate, then, well, there's a possibility for conversation. Hmm? <coughs> and this, the whole has something to say about the part. Hmm? So that's uh, something to think about then. Hmm. That you can think like about these things. That's okay. You have to think about these things. Uh, indeed, if we if our intelligence is not used in bhakti, then don't then then bhakti has not permeated our being sufficiently. Hmm? It may permeate our senses, and we may go through practices, but it needs also to to permeate our intelligence. We need to apply our intelligence and think freely about uh, the implications of revelation, <coughs> the nature of bhakti, and so forth. And, and when we use our intelligence, sometimes we refer to this as nishta. We've arrived at a stage where the intelligence is fully engaged in bhakti, so the practice is, is consistent. Hmm? Uh, 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 nothing gets in the way of it. Hmm? That then proceeds to taste from nishta to ruchi. Hmm? And the more, again, that the, the, the practice is driven by ruchi, the more thinking has a spiritual um, color to it. So we need to spiritualize our our intellect. Does that help? Yeah. Uh, according to you, Maharaj, it sounds like Rethinking starts from the point when you don't think anymore. If, but how? If, but how? In a sense that if there is God, if there is Bhakti, if there is, uh, uh-huh. you know, but how it is. That's what you mean? In one sense, yes. Not if, but how. So not, not whether or not I should serve, but how I should serve. That's true. Yeah. But uh, uh, revelation 
sometimes time comes very late. <coughs> yeah. That's true. Well, there's revelation, you know, in a theoretical sense, and then there's revelation in in another sense. Um, So there is a theoretical form that the revelation takes in the form of scripture and so forth. So I think you can you, you begin with that and the explanations of spiritually advanced persons and so forth. And, you know, you begin to learn. And as you do, then, and apply yourself, then revelation in a realized and experiential sense starts to come. But I don't think you just have to sit and wait and do no thinking until, you know, you get an epiphany. You might get an epiphany that I should do this. I should take up bhakti. Hmm? And so then the power to do so comes with that. It's true. Hmm? But and So then you enter the school and you start to learn. And <coughs> excuse me, as you learn the implications of the argument and, and ramifications and so forth, and apply yourself, then then personal revelation that corresponds with the scriptural uh, descriptions starts to occur, and that's very interesting because you start to experience what's what's being said there. Hmm? So that's very confirming, right? It happens at the beginning when you study. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Oh, yeah, I think like sometimes uh, happens to devotees they take Prabhupada's books. I I had this experience at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, okay. I will first. I will translate. Don't worry. You you say uh, yeah, that's right. You believe in all that, but then uh, it takes you. You devote your life. And then after some time, you think, I've done it wrong. Yeah, I've made some mistakes, and I want to like, fix it. Sometimes it comes to, like, someone may even diagnose it with, uh, like, uh, that is, uh, like, post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah? Like, after people uh, drop uh, their path, and then they complain that, oh, that's not the way it should have been. You know, I've done it wrong. It's, like, totally... I'm a mess because of this. And, and then later, after some time, they think, oh, maybe there was some kind of, like, my choice in that. You know, it comes like slowly, slowly. Mm-hmm. To the point, when you start uh, coming back to your previous thoughts, uh, thoughts and going through them again, and see from a different perspective, and then kind of maybe for some of this revelation comes that the path is not... Uh, wrong by the way I was yeah. it. it can so take some time really too fast maybe mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, <coughs> in the wrong way um, I, I will translate that yeah um, i, I to powoduje, że ktoś e, całkowicie pochłonięty jest tą filozofią e, e, i często decyduje się na taki krok, żeby oddać całe swoje życie, a potem po, po jakimś czasie zmienia się 
perspektywa, zaczyna się myśleć inaczej. Często doktorzy, którzy rezygnują ze ścieżki, mają takie symptomy takiego stresu połowezowego. On, on się też bowiem często objawia gniewem, jakimś takim obwinianiem, że zostało się zmanipulowane i tak dalej. No a potem to mija, najczęściej tak powinno być i pojawia się refleksja, jakieś takie zrozumienie całej sytuacji i też pomyślenie odpowiedzialności ze swojej strony, że to w sumie były decyzje moje i, i no i wtedy to jakoś zaczyna się inaczej układać. Potem pojawia się taka refleksja, no, że rzeczywiście ścieżka wcale nie jest taka zła, tylko może w jakiś niewłaściwy sposób, może za szybko tą ścieżką się wkroczyło. Well, I think that um, that we think about the path, and we don't always think as deeply about it as we think we think about it. Hmm? And um, there is a phenomenon that Vishwanath Chakravitakur uh, speaks about. What is that called? Hmm? Utsamai. See, he's been around. Utsamai. So, initial enthusiasm, where the student thinks, I've got it. Hmm? I read that. I read the Shikshastaka Bhagavad I read the Tattva Sandarbha. What, what should I read next? Uh, I read the Bhagavad Gita. What, what's next? I mean, that's okay, but, you know, pretty, after a while you say, the Bhagavad Gita is next. What's next? The Bhagavad Gita is next. <laughs> I'm still reading it myself. I'm writing another commentary. Uh, so um, there's a, a tendency to you know, enter into it in, in very much in a Western sense. Arrest it with your intellect. Got it? Okay. And, and so forth. And it's very different than the, the classical way in which this knowledge is conveyed You know, we're, we're products of a transplant, if you will, of a, of a culture and a spiritual culture and way of life that um, <coughs> to apply it in a, in a modern, industrialized and culturally different setting has uh, drawbacks and shortcomings. You know, when you hear these scriptural statements, like Pujapachitamar said, Tadvidhi pranipatena pariprashnena seva, don't come cutting a return ticket. Hmm? It's a one way ticket. Come live with the guru and enter the fire, you know. Well, not a lot of people are doing that, and not a lot of people can do it like that. And so, you know, you want this wide circulation and somebody like a Prabhupada may be inspired for a wide circulation but then you know it's a complicated affair hmm? uh, to transplant the whole thing so there are going to be issues that arise that are new so to speak and the western mind works in a particular way um, I mean it really does it's very different than the eastern Uh, mind, the, the rational mind of the West, the need to arrest everything with the intellect in such detail. Uh, it's not as 
<coughs> the Eastern mind doesn't work in 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 the same way. So the, there are um, um, things like what you're talking about. Experiences like that are are going to happen, um, and I think it's largely due to really not having digested certain points thoroughly and and also to the environment in which we live which we're not in we're not um, uh, 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 free from the the influence of I mean the world is very powerful and it's it has a certain argument um, materialism sense gratification is the goal economic success is this if you have economic success and a good sex life you've made it something like that these these kind of ideas and everybody's thinking like that and in in him you you know you don't maybe you don't get close to everybody like that but still it's hard to avoid and so you're not in an environment where you you had an epiphany and then you protected the epiphany by creating a favorable environment for its pursuit. Hmm? And so the epiphany can then be influenced by other reasoning and arguments and emotional experiences and so forth that you, that you unrealistically thought would be done away with you know, by chanting uh, very, you know... Uh, uh, immediately and, and and so on and so forth. So, I think that <coughs> these are some of the reasons why that type of experience occurs. If, if the epiphany of uh, that that oh, Krishna is the personality of God, and chanting His name is the way to know Him. It's very beautiful, but you know when a seed sprouts above the ground, it, it needs protection. Also, hmm? now Prabhupada was very much trying to create protection for the seeds that he planted, hmm? but even trying to create the protection, we see in the long run that the protection has, has, has become a problem. Hmm? Uh, you know, so it's 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 complicated, <laughs> and um, and the attainment of that of our ideal is rare. But if you understand the basic points. Hmm? And keep good association, and I think this is really essential, to keep association with advanced devotees that are really, that are truly advanced and experienced, then, um, then uh, a lot of this, this kind of crises that you talk about will be uh, reduced, if not uh, eliminated, but it's not possible. We can make the point, but not everybody can practically live in proximity to to good association. Sometimes to that I say, well, then move. But I mean, that's how radical spiritual life is. It's, it, it, it does require um, considerable effort and so forth. And without that, without those, that protection, so we can expect there will, be, there will be problems, there will be distractions, there will be interruptions. In our practice, there will be room for thoughts to question whether I should practice or not, rather than than whether whether rather than as you said, how I should serve. Mother Yasoda is using her intelligence and free thinking. How shall I serve? Shall I let him continue to suck 
suckle my breast or shall I put him down and tend to the milk on the stove hmm? that's about to boil over, that I'm, that I'm boiling only for him. So she had to use her intelligence how to serve best in any given circumstance, but not whether or not to serve. So when we're plagued by thoughts of if we should serve or not, and so that's basically a product of, of the, I would say, the absence of good association to, to a large extent, and which says we are in other association. We're in an association of our you know, world of our thoughts that are so much grounded in, in things and, and an identification with them and so forth. And we're out of step, you know, as spiritualists, we're out of step with the society and people. Harder to make friends, perhaps, and, you know, it's, it's odd. We're weird, you know, what can I say? So, so it's, uh, <coughs> that can be emotionally um, alienating, even though bhakti is very inviting and so forth. It can be in a, in a world where these type of thoughts are not entertained largely. Uh, it can be emotionally um, alienating and disconcerting and, and cause emotional uh, issues for a person that wouldn't arise otherwise. And therefore, you know, there are recommendations. I mean, and they're put to pen and paper and sadhu sangha is, uh, you know, you have to... And Prabhupada, again, he tried to do that. He tried to create environments for uh, that for the devotees to live within and have community and so forth. But it's 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 not easy to do, and it is somewhat dependent uh, uh, upon the individual to to understand those points and create that kind of environment, get in that type of environment for for oneself. And outside of that, there are going to be these kinds of issues and feelings of alienation and emotional um, uh, emotionally being out of balance and so forth. Um, and so if one foregoes then the, the, the philosophy for emotional balance and so forth, then there's a great loss that occurs there and it could be found within the context of the philosophy. <coughs> so those are my thoughts on it. I sympathize with, with everyone that it didn't happen to me, uh, somehow or other. But I'm, I feel blessed. So I hope to bless all of you. So it's been nice. I think we had a good discussion. I'm sorry I came a little late. What is the time now? Supper time, right? Okay. So then tomorrow morning, do we have a class or no? Maharaj, okay. Bhakti Abhay Ashram Maharaj Kijai. So you give a class at, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Hmm? 10 o'clock in the morning. No. no. And, and then what happens at 10? Going kayaking. Okay. Exciting. And then we meet again in the evening, right? Okay. Thank you all very much for listening, for your good questions. Siman Goranga Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Nityananda Abhadutta ki jai, Sri Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Brinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande.